We're rolling. Oh god. Ugh. Oh. Hello. <laughs> Johnny and the Rex. Bap. Bap. Hey, you know we're humped and cryptids, your favorite podcast, though you know it is unscripted. You're watching Johnny and a T-Rex podcast. He's a good looking dude. I got some attitude. You never know what we're going to talk about. I was really hoping last time there would be Johnny. Johnny! 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 Johnny and the Rex! Uh, I was hoping there would be fan art of us last time we did this. There was nothing. Bullshit. Bullshit. Total bullshit. What if I just did my the whole show like this? <laughs> my favorite thing about puppeteers is seeing the hand. That's my Me favorite too. thing. <laughs> I like the way your hand is like. It's all part of the act. My hand's cramping up. Ow. Oh, oh wow. I think that's. I think that was expensive. I'm Welcome, oh. everybody. It's Saturday at noon. You know what time it is. You know what that means. You know what day it is, Saturday at noon. It's Mega Strange time. Hello. Are you okay? Yeah. Did I uh, warm you up properly? I think so. I did a shot of. Wait. Let me. Oh. Can, make make some room here. <laughs> there we go. There Open we up go. this pit. Open up the mother fudgin pit. All right, you took a shot of something? You're drunk right now? I'm or so something? drunk. I took a shot of Mountain Dew. D Johnny getting his drink on. Uh, it was gingerbread Mountain Dew. Oh, Mountain Dew comes in bread flavors now. Yeah, it was pretty gross. Uh, let me know when they start doing protein. Yeah, like a, chicken Mountain Dew. You know, like a medium rare steak Mountain Dew. That's, a, that's more of a Lester's thing. I don't even know if you spoke English just now. <laughs> you don't know Lester's fixings? They make like the gravy soda. No, oh. I, that I go out of my way to avoid gravy soda uh, as a matter of principle. I just don't think that we live in a society <laughs> that needs we gravy soda. Uh, yeah, I think they do have a full like Thanksgiving dinner soda. Nice. I was going to talk about today's episode. Oh yeah, sorry. We could keep Didn't talking you? about no, no, no. Uh, Lester's weird soda. You want to do taste tests on this show, don't you? You want to turn this into a food influencer program. I know you do. Yes. Maybe someday you'll get your wish, but not today, because today we're talking about the Bermuda Triangle, everybody. You've heard of it. Oh, but do you know anything about it? Did, did you know anything about the Bermuda Triangle before uh, setting up for this episode, researching for this episode? I didn't know shit about the Bermuda Triangle, and I feel like I still don't know shit about the Bermuda Triangle because everything I tried to search was so fucking weird. Really? Yeah. Go I, figure. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it was just a lot of uh, a lot of the same story over and over again. <laughs> okay. 
Um, I had, well, obviously I'd heard of the Bermuda Triangle. Everybody's heard of the Bermuda Triangle. I think there was like a reference to it in Steven Spielberg's movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that story. I actually have that full story to let everybody know. The disappearance of five airplanes uh, known as Flight 19. And, you know, I had always heard this thing about the Bermuda Triangle. Uh-huh. Um, I had heard that there were certain places on Earth that were especially sacred, right? Mm-hmm. Think of like Stonehenge. Oh, okay. Or the Pyramids of Giza. We don't really know what the purpose of Stonehenge is, but we speculate that maybe it is has to do with like celestial things. Maybe it's a calendar. Maybe it has to do with the way the stars line up. Same thing with the pyramids in Egypt. Yeah. They align with the stars. Um, I don't know if you're aware of that. No, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. And we can go into it in another episode. But there are certain areas on Earth that just attract a certain kind of energy, a certain kind of sacred energy, holy ground, yeah. right? When I think about that, I think about the like Eastern Island heads a lot. I think that was really cool. Yeah, totally. We could do a whole episode talking about those sacred spots and how um, a lot of people think they have to do with the stars. I was telling you before we were recording this show that there's a theory out there that some of the um, biggest cities in the world, like Paris, Moscow, London, these really old cities yeah. were founded kind of naturally because they happen to be in areas that get a lot of natural nighttime light they they naturally collect starlight and moonlight so that they're more well lit yeah and if you're an ancient civilization or a tribe and you're looking for a place to set up your tents at night you want a lot of natural light so you could see your predators so you would just naturally congregate in this area that collects a lot of natural nighttime lighting and this is what turned into these huge cities like paris and london Blah, 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 blah. Well, the point is, the point I'm trying to make is there's also areas of the earth potentially that are on the other end of the spectrum. Evil zones. Yeah, places on the earth where bad things happen more often than not. Places on the earth that don't collect a lot of natural light. They collect a lot of natural darkness. Yeah. Uh, These places are actually known as vile vortices. And I was looking this up because I was telling you about this yeah, because yeah. I had heard that the Bermuda Triangle is a vile vortice. Uh, this idea. I don't think I could even say that. Try it. Vile vortice. It sounds like a Harry Potter spell. Yeah, it like really you're does. You're going to give some Death Eater diarrhea to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> vile vortice. Oh. Expelliarmus diarrheus. <laughs> Sorry. So there was um, this British biologist and writer who um, died in 1973. His name was Ivan Terence Sanderson. He was one of the founding fathers of cryptozoology. And okay. he, he wrote a lot about paranormal activity. And he coined the phrase vile vertices. Um, and in his opinion, the Bermuda Triangle was the foremost uh, such area on Earth and was kind of what he based his entire theory around. The Bermuda Triangle, and there's another haunted triangle off of the coast of Japan, I found out, called the Devil's Triangle. 
Oh, have you heard of that one? Yeah, and doing research, I got a lot of stuff about the Devil's Triangle. I thought it was, it, it was just one and the same. They call the Bermuda Triangle the Devil's okay. Triangle, but there's also another area south of Tokyo, Japan, that is only known as the Devil's Triangle or the Devil's Sea, um, but that's another vile vertice. Yeah. We're not going to go too much in the Devil's Triangle, except to say it's kind of like the sister of the Bermuda Triangle. Okay. It's like the hot evil cousin of the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> There's more than one Bermuda Triangle uh, type patch of ocean out there. So uh, that's what we're talking about. Okay. A place where unknown phenomenon tends to happen more often uh, than other places. Now, we should say right out the gate, I think it's important to say scientists don't believe the Bermuda Triangle no, 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 not all. has any... <laughs> Uh, special phenomenon going on there. They say that you don't get more accidents or disappearances happening in the Bermuda Triangle than anywhere else in the world. I was surprised to learn there's a lot of typhoons around there, though. There is a lot of natural phenomenon. Yeah. It's, it's like called Hurricane Alley. Yeah. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, the Bermuda Triangle is these three points triangulated. Um, Miami. Yeah. San Juan, Puerto Rico. And the island uh, of Bermuda, the Bermuda Islands. There's a couple of Bermuda Islands. Yeah. That's uh, where it is. So Florida, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and then Bermuda. Boop, boop, boop. Right there in the Bahamas. You okay? Oh, you're doing the triangle. You're doing the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> um, and I like your first thing to say was, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I thought you were signaling to the ghosts or something. Yeah. When I, when I do this sign, we have to end the podcast. Well, I was going to say that the whole mythos of the Bermuda Triangle, I don't know if you know this, it started in 1950. Yeah, I did I, I did read a, a, a bit about this, but I would love to hear more. Uh, well, the Miami Herald uh, published a story on September 17th, 1950, written by somebody named Edward Van Winkle Jones. What an amazing name. Probably name. my favorite author ever. <laughs> Just based on the name. It sounds like a person that would be in like the, the play Guys and Dolls or something. <laughs> Clearly, you've never seen Guys and Dolls where the characters seen, are named Nathan Detroit and Sky Masterson. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like similar to what you said. like Robert Edward Van, Van Winkle. Winkle Jones. Yeah, exactly. Hey, what's up, Nathan Detroit? Not much, Van Winkle Jones. <laughs> we going to be shooting craps later. Oh, sounds pretty good. It sounds similar to me. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't. It's I'm okay. not a. a have kid. you seen Guys and Dolls? No, I worked in the tech crew. I was in Guys and Dolls. <laughs> I worked in the tech crew for Guys and Dolls for okay. like a week. Oh, no. And you got kicked out? Yeah, for making out. What? Hold, the, hold the phone. <laughs> We're not talking about the Bermuda <laughs> Triangle anymore. What? <laughs> you were kicked out of theater for making out? Yeah, it was. Who were you making out with? Just the girl I was dating who was in the in theater. Uh, dating. Was she in the play? I don't recall. Wow, you guys had a really close bond. Nah. Uh, How was, many dates did you go on? I don't remember. <laughs> it was like, what was her name? Maria. That is a made up it's name. It's not. Uh, it really was Maria. Yeah. Was she um, Italian or. Um, uh, she was Latinx. like Latinx. I don't. She was some type of Russian. <laughs> oh, okay. If I hear the name Maria, yeah. you got to be either Italian or Latinx. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, it was just like there was a in the backstage area there was a couch, and oh, um, the 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 casting couch, and uh, this is turning into a, a lot of the tech like a lot of people just be chilling there talking instead of setting up the sets. And one day the the head like tech person was like, "All right, everyone, get out! Like you're done." Uh, cause like, it was just like a bunch of us just chilling and smooching and shit. So that's what happened. You were making out in a room full of people. Yeah. And the high school, bro. And the, the head of the tech department, was this an older like teacher? No, it was another student. She was just like, all right, if you guys aren't going to work, you you just go. And I I just didn't come back. Oh, a a student kicked you out. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's embarrassing. Yeah. You should have asserted your authority. You should have thrown your arm around Maria and be like, ha ha. We ain't leaving. We ain't leaving. Uh, just go right back into making out. <laughs> I don't think I, I, I think I was always just staying after school regardless. So I was like, you know what? I'll do this tech shit. And then it was like, nah, it's too much work. And so I was just, I was fine with going home and not doing it. What about the relationship with Maria? Where are you guys going to make out? Uh, we, uh, I had a car then and we would make out in my car a lot. Oh, nice. And, uh, how did it all end with Maria? Did she dump you? Did you dump her? I don't remember. Wow. I think I dumped her. I, I'm i amazed that you don't meticulously recall every m- minute of every relationship you ever had and treasure it. I know it doesn't look like it, but in high school, I was cute. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I got a laugh from off stage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I had I was a stud in high school. Oh, tell out. us more. No, what what was f- your number one secret to getting uh, action from Johnny the Stud, ladies and gentlemen? Action. It was like like making out in a, at a mall. Um, you know, like those, those like ad- and backstage yeah, yeah. and in your car. You know, like high school when you see like those like you were like a make out machine. Yeah, like those fucking kids <laughs> with like the fucking Naruto headbands that are like like touching each other, like looking at each other. Like that was that was me. That, that was, was you. Yeah. Did you really have the Nar- no? Naruto no, I'm headband? just saying, like you know, those fucking cringy ass. Like, what do you think is the go- cringiest romantic encounter you had in high school? I don't know. Uh, Come on, true cringe. You may have blocked me, it out. Me and but. a girl went on a date to uh, <laughs> to see a Sublime cover band. Oh, well, that's not cringy. That's pretty cringy. Sublime. Dude, you're in San Diego right now. Yeah. Going on a date to see a sublime cover band is like par for the course. Yeah. I. It's hard not to find a date that involves <laughs> a sublime cover band in San Diego. It was in New Jersey at the time. Okay. Uh, and would you make out in front of sublime and they asked you to leave? Yeah. The, yeah. Rome came out and said, get the fuck out of here. No, it was a, a band called Badfish. Okay. Nice. Well. We now resume our regularly scheduled programming. I don't even know where we left off. Yeah. Talking, talking about the Bermuda <laughs> I don't Triangle. know either. I don't know why we went this so Oh, yeah. I remember. All oh, the comments are going to be fucking mean this episode. <laughs> Edward Van Winkle. Yes. He wrote the article for the Miami Herald that first suggested that this area uh, known as the Bermuda Triangle had you know, paranormal activity going on and that there are a lot of disappearances happening. And he specifically cited an event that happened in 1945, which has come to be known as Flight 19, which was the disappearance of five airplanes and 14 airmen. 
I will get into all the dirty details of Flight 19, what we know and uh, what we speculate happened. But I've been I've been grilling you and talking. Let me hand over control of the episode to my co-host, oh, John. God, I wasn't ready. You take the reins now. I'm li- like I've literally we talked so much about my uh, high school life that I'm going to skip my first thing because it's not even good. I just. Yeah, we set the bar too yeah, high. Yeah, we set the bar episode. too high. So I have to go to the good shit now. That's that's good. That's a bonus. I wanted to talk about some weirdness that I learned about from the Bermuda Triangle. I couldn't. I read a lot about the stories of you know ship sinking, and I I kind of hit the same thing over and over again. Uh, so I decided to figure out more about the sea life of the Bermuda Triangle. Okay, marine biology. Yeah, so marine biology is there Johnny. bizarre marine biology happening yes. in the Bermuda Triangle? They're haunted. I think so. Ghost sharks. So I need to go back a million years now. So okay, we're going way back. A, a, <laughs> there's a book called "The Truth About Animals," it's written a million years ago by <laughs> by Lucy Cook. Okay, uh, that claimed that Aristotle was obsessed with eel genitalia. Hold on, hold on. Yes. What? Yeah. <laughs> Aristotle, he was obsessed with eel genitalia. Uh, Aristotle, the teacher, personal teacher of Alexander the Great, mm. famous philosopher and scholar from ancient Greece. Yes. Some people regard Aristotle to be the most influential human being who ever lived in the history of the world. Did you know that? No. I saw real quick. <laughs> yeah, go for it. A list, some like History Channel list, and it was like, Top 500 most influential people who ever lived. Jesus Christ was number three. Oh, fuck. Leonardo da Vinci was number two. Okay. And what I thought was interesting is what they said about Leonardo da Vinci was uh, they said he had a personality combination, his level of intelligence and his uh, physical uh, skill and his musical skill. And he was uh, he was good at everything. Yeah. And they, like said, an they said that kind of personality comes around once every thousand years, which I just thought was an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Aristotle was number one. Yeah, he wasn't he like kind of technically like the first critical thinker. He influenced so many people who were influential in their own right. Yeah. And he, he came thousands of years ago and is still highly influential to this day. And apparently was obsessed with eel genitalia. Yeah. You tell me. Let me, let me tell you about this shit. In the fourth century, Aristotle would find eels, slice them open in hopes just like to get a glimpse of genitals. (laughs) But he found nothing. Do eels not have genitals? Apparently eels do not have any genitals. Oh, so Aristotle noticed this and he was like, I seeth, I'm Greek. And I see if all animals have the genitalia And this drove him fucking crazy. He Except w- the Elios. Where is the Elios' genitalia He did this all on the island of Lesbos, too. So. I must go to the island of Lesbos <laughs> and get as many Elios's as I can <laughs> and find the hidden genitalia also, like, sorry, everyone. It, <laughs> I got carried away. I drank too much. He would fucking cut them open, like, because you get you get so upset because he was like looking. He was like looking at them. He's like, what the fuck? They're all smooth. And you're like, oh, they must be inside. And then he cut them open. And be like, oh, I don't like the here. way you're telling this story. You're making it sound like it started off 
nice and then he got frustrated and then he just started cutting the eels open because he was so enraged he couldn't <laughs> find the genitalia. That's how I imagine it. Like he's just like, all right, eels. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking all I can take. I can't take no more. <laughs> I'm getting the fucking knife now. It's like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. You're going to show me what I want to see. I'm Aristotle. Uh, so, so wait, after, wait <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so after a couple of years of research, uh, he concluded wrongly, by the way, he was wrong. So, uh, so that baby eels just emerged fully formed from mud. He wanted to figure oh. out how eels mate. Oh, so he's like, I, there, I can't find any genitals. By the way, isn't that what J.R.R. Tolkien said? That's how orcs are born. Yeah, I think so. Don't they just come out of the mud fully formed? That was confusing. He must have based it on Aristotle's yeah. eel hypothesis. He couldn't find any orc balls, so he's like, <laughs> they're coming out of the mud. <laughs> he's like, cut oh, them up. He never wrote the book about how Sauron cut up so many. <laughs> yeah, orcs. he was like, like, how the fuck do you mate? What you make an orc? Oh, they come out of the mud. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm, I'm like lost where I was. We're lost in the eel. We're sauce. lost in the eel sauce. <laughs> so yeah, he he concluded that they just emerged from mud as fully formed eels. <laughs> okay, Aristotle. Now he got bumped down. Second most influential now. Um. So like over the years, naturalists tried to figure out the same thing. Like what? How do eels mate? And where do baby eels even come from? Okay. Uh, I have a list here of some examples that happened over the centuries. Real quick, can we just skip to the end? Do we know? Did science ever figure this out? No. We still don't know. Thousands of years later. There has never been any, no scientist has ever been witness to eels mating. No what one knows. The there is a theory on what is happening. The theory in modern times is that a male and female eel will like, you know, in like cartoons when they get into a fight and it becomes like a dust cloud and there's like fists everywhere. Yeah. They, f they figure that eels do that and just spray like sperm and eggs at each other. Okay. 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 That's the theory. The scientists actually don't know because they don't, they don't have, they don't have any glands. So when Blanca just hops on and starts <laughs> chewing on you and all the electricity engulfs both of yeah. you. He's actually, he could be mating with you. Yeah, exactly. Because that's pretty much what scientists describe eels fucking looks like. Yeah. Same thing. Wow. Um, this is the best episode of Mega Strange. <laughs> I'm glad you I, like I think this is the most strange topic we've ever covered. I'm glad. Uh, yeah. Initially, I wasn't going to go this far back, but I was like, I need to hit the Aristotle mystery. So my next question, yes. and I'm sure everybody at home is wondering the same thing. What the F does this have to do with the Bermuda Triangle? Okay, fuck it. I'm gonna skip all this shit. Um, well, if you have, if no, I, no, if it's we're jumping fine. around. Don't let me cut you off. I pretty much gave the the gist of it. Uh, there was just a couple of things where, like, you know, over the years, you know, medieval people tried to figure out like how they do it, and and uh, there was just a couple funny ones with like it, medieval times. Uh, they thought that eels were transmogrified forms of bastards of children's uh children the priests. If a priest had a bastard child, it would turn it. It would come out as an eel. It would come out as an eel. That's that was one theory in mid. Um, is it medieval or medieval? I, I believe it's medieval. Okay, yeah, that was the the theory back then. But I don't know. I'm sure the chat, I mean the comment section, will let us know. <laughs> let us know in the comments. Is it medieval or medieval or medieval? Um. Some people thought they reproduced by rubbing themselves against rocks and then like whatever 
was left would become a small eel. Yeah, you're laughing, but then you say current scientists think it's like a cartoon cloud fight. So they can't confirm that it's not the bastard children of priests. That's what I'm saying. As far as I know, they could be rubbing up against rocks. That doesn't sound any stupider than the cartoon cloud. So what I, in doing research, I learned what was happening is apparently the life cycle of an eel is so fucking strange from like the smallest version to the biggest. They look so different <clears throat> that science or scientists over the years thought they were all different animals. Okay. So we slowly learned like the, like the life cycle of an eel. We still just don't know how, like where the baby eel starts from, but that is where it comes to the Bermuda triangle. Every eel ever emerges from the Bermuda triangle. No way. Yes way. During the height. Eels are all over the planet though. They all fucking make this trek from the Bermuda triangle to all over. This is okay. This is officially where my brain becomes broken. Here, I'll, I'll read what I got. <laughs> we just said that scientists at the beginning of this episode, we said scientists ha basically say there's nothing strange going on in the Bermuda Triangle, but fail to mention it's the home of every eel, every that, is, eel. that has ever existed on planet Earth. So during the height of typhoon season, eels just emerge from the Bermuda Triangle in their like larva stage. Um, they established this route like 40 million years ago, uh, and they uh, are able to just travel through certain canals. And most fish, if they traveled from where they the eels start, they would just implode because the um, the depth is so crazy. Oh, but the apparently, pressure, yeah, yeah. Apparently, eels are like their fucking kidneys are able to like move around to like deal with the pressure. All right. Yeah. So that's pretty much Man, all, the eels are indestructible. Yeah. So yeah, we skipped around there. That was pretty much all my eel shit. Uh, they, they, every eel ever, or uh, let me say this in my research, it was American and European eels. Okay. So, so it might not be every eel ever, but I'm, I'm no eel expert me either. So that, that could be every eel ever. As far as I know, is there an Australian eel? Is there an African eel? I, I have no idea. You're asking the wrong guy. But like I said before, to this day, we still don't know how they mate. And that to me is the most in that's the thing about the ocean. Apparently, like there's just life down there that we've never even cataloged. It's so vast. And they say like exploring the, the ocean floor is similar to exploring space. Like it's still a frontier that we need to explore and we act like we have, but we really haven't. Yeah. So that's why the, I when people say the Bermuda Triangle is bullshit, I'm like, you don't fucking know. Well, we filled the ocean with trash. That too. We should send all the trash to the Bermuda Triangle and maybe it will disappear. Apparently eels eat fucking everything, so they'll probably eat all the trash. Um. So would you like to hear the story of Flight 19? Yes. The, the story that inspired all of this madness Please. to begin with? Okay. So this is the story of flight 19 as i already mentioned this was uh, an event where five airplanes disappeared and 14 airmen uh on december 5th 1945 <clears throat> what happened was the um u.s army was doing a training exercise with uh some pilots who were flying 
these bombers. Um, the exercise was actually called navigation problem number one. So it sounds like a MGMT song. It does. Yes, you're right. <laughs> and it was a combination of bombing and navigation exercises, uh, which other flights had completed earlier and were also scheduled to undertake that day. So it's not like flight 19 and these five planes were going off on some strange, unheard of exercise. Mm. This was routine training as usual. The leader of the exercise um, the was a man named Charles Carroll Taylor. And he had up to that point flown about 2,500 hours worth of time in these aircrafts. Okay. Uh, the aircraft uh, in question was a group of Grumman TBF Avenger bombers built by General Motors. Oh. Each of them was fully fueled. Okay. But... And this is kind of bizarre. This story, by the way, is filled with a handful of very peculiar details that just make you wonder what's going on here. <laughs> uh, before the flight, they checked the planes and they had discovered that all of the planes were missing clocks. The clocks had been oh. removed oh. from the control panels of the planes. <clears throat> uh, I guess... Navigation problem number one was an exercise intended to teach, quote, dead reckoning principles, being able to navigate without your tools in, in place oh. or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, and part of the training was to be able to kind of estimate elapsed time without the use of a watch. Uh, a clock onboard clock. They thought that this wouldn't be a problem because they assumed that all of the pilots had wristwatches, but I don't know if that was true or not. All we know is, uh, ah, take the clocks out. They'll be fine. They got watches <laughs> right anyways. Who knows? So the exercise involved three legs. They were going to fly out of Fort Lauderdale, Dale, Florida okay. East, um, to a group of islands, they were going to drop some bombs, then they were going to turn left and head up north um, to do some navigating, and then they were going to turn left again and return to Florida. Um, at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, well, here's an interesting thing. Mm. This happened in 1945. During and World War II? This was, uh, I'm not sure quite when World War II ended off yeah. the top of my head, but this was definitely World War II era. Okay. Okay, so it's the middle of the 40s. These yeah. are World War II era airplanes. Um, the radio communications are just open. Oh, okay. At this time, they're not encrypted. Yeah, 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 So all of the conversations that these pilots had with each other could be heard by other pilots in the vicinity, could be heard by ships in the vicinity, and could be heard by the airfields mm -hmm. monitoring them. So we actually have a lot of information about what these pilots said to each other up until the moment that they disappeared. At three o'clock, they asked for permission to drop their last bomb. So we know that at that point in the day, they had completed the first part of navigation problem number one. And they started their um, flight north. <clears throat> A short while later, an unidentified crew member was picked up by some ships nearby saying the following. I don't know where we are. We must have got lost after that last turn. Um, the leader of the group um, then started radio radioing 
um, the airbase back in Florida, asking if they could help him determine his position. Okay. Apparently, they had tracking devices that could triangulate these planes' positions. Yeah. And they were asking him to turn his tracking device on, but asking him what the problem was. And he responded with, both of my compasses are out. I'm trying to find Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Shit. Apparently, he had become disoriented and did not know what part of the ocean he was flying in. And his compasses started malfunctioning. It sounds like he went through like event horizon shit. I know. I know. Yeah. This is classic Bermuda <laughs> yeah, Triangle yeah, yeah. stuff. Um, a little a short while later, he started arguing with some of the other members of his crew, and they picked up uh transmissions uh between these pilots where one of them was recorded saying, Damn it, if we could just fly west, we would get home. Head west, damn it. There was a difference of opinion there, and since that since this event happened, there's been debate like why didn't they fly west yeah they were in fact east of florida and if they uh, had flown west they would have made it home T- taylor thought they were south of florida in the gulf of mexico he he thought that they had to fly northeast to make it back home he made the crew fly northeast further and further out into open water part of the crew begged him to fly west if we fly west, we'll go home. Damn it, why aren't we flying west? But people just assume that it was military discipline that made these guys follow their leader as he continued to take them further out into the ocean. As the weather, uh, as time went on, the weather deteriorated and the sun set and it became nighttime. Um, and they had been out there for about six hours at this Jesus. point. At this point, the crewmen convinced their leader taylor that they should fly west so they turned around and they started flying west this is so tragic they flew west for maybe an hour but they were so far out they never hit land yeah he got frustrated and he became reassured that they were in fact south of florida not not to the side of florida he made them turn around the and head east once again. Um, about seven o'clock at night, the final transmission was picked up where Taylor was heard saying, all planes close up tight. We'll have to ditch unless we hit landfall. The first plane to drop below 10 gallons of gas, we all go down together. Um, That's sad. They weren't heard from or seen ever again. No wreckage was ever found. They vanished. That very night, though, there's mm. one more twist to this story. Yeah. It became evident that the, the flight was lost. And so they started sending rescue parties and search parties out, made a signal to all the nearby boats. At about, um, <clears throat> this would be 7.30, so about 30 minutes after that final transmission, U.S. Navy Squadron training uh, air, airplane sea, sea boat number 49 took off from Naval Air Station Banana River. Okay. Called in a routine radio message three minutes later to say they were looking for Flight 19 and they were never seen again. Oh, shit. They also vanished that night. So... 
scary. Uh, that is the story of Flight 19. Officially, the Army thinks, the, the report is that Taylor, the leader, got lost, and he did, in fact, fly over a small set of islands. Mm. We don't know what islands he flew over, but he mistook them for the Florida Keys, and that made him believe that he was south of Florida instead of to the side of it. His compasses were, in fact, broken. Yeah. And so officially, they don't say it's his fault. They call it a uh, machinery malfunction. Okay. Is to blame. <clears throat> they think the rescue flight that disappeared exploded mid-flight because there were reports from a nearby boat that saw an explosion uh, on the horizon and something that burned for 10 minutes. But we don't really know because, again, the planes and the bodies of these people were never recovered. Sad. So there you have it. The Bermuda Triangle. <clears throat> Woo! Are you okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> Those are two. Of, that's that's one of the most famous stories of the Bermuda yeah. Triangle, but there really are hundreds of disappearances of boats, ships, airplanes, all kinds of things. Um, yeah, I, I read about this one about like the, there's this thing called the USS Cyclops. And I heard that was like the biggest loss of life. Like hundreds of people just like gone. but Just vanished. Yeah, they like the, there was a it was a huge tanker that just went in in there and never showed up. Uh, that was what I was going to read about, but I, I yeah I'm just glossing over it now. Some people speculate that the Bermuda Triangle is, as I mentioned at the top of the show, a vile vortice. Yeah, something is fueling negative and dark energy, or something. Something's causing all this bad stuff to happen there. Yeah. <clears throat> Some people speculate that it is leftover technology from the mythical lost civilization of Atlantis. Yeah, I saw some stuff on that. That is causing this energy to emanate from the Bermuda Triangle. This is what I want to end on today. I have more stuff too as well. So I guess in the mid-century, there was a famous um, psychic yeah. named Edgar Casey. Mm-hmm. And he predicted that evidence of Atlantis would be found in 1968. Okay. Well, in 1968, in this uh, island in the Bahamas, uh, in Bermuda, actually, called Bimini, they found a structure submerged underwater, which they have referred to as Bimini Road or Bimini Wall. Okay. Which some people speculate is a man-made structure that has either been submerged underwater or the water has risen above it. Oh. The story of Atlantis is it's an ancient civilization that fell out of favor with the gods and plunged into the ocean. Mm -hmm. People think that the discovery of Bimini Road coincides with Edgar Gacy's prediction that in 1968 we would discover evidence of Atlantis. They think Bimini Road is that evidence of Atlantis. Oh, shit. They think that that points to the hypothesis that Atlantis is fueling whatever is going on in the Bermuda Triangle. Come on, Aquaman. Fucking save the people that so, drown. There you have it, folks. Uh, you've heard of the Bermuda Triangle. You've heard of Atlantis. You've yeah. heard of the disappearances. Those are the facts. Now you know the true story. I have some more info about the sea life <clears throat> of, of uh, I almost said Atlantis. I love the eels. Go ahead. Why don't we end today's episode sure. with your final little science lesson about some animals that <laughs> frequent the Bermuda Triangle. So there's this area in the Bermuda Triangle called the Tongue of the Ocean. 
It's a, okay. it's like a, a sea shelf, I think is the, the, the term where it's just like, it's like pretty okay. And then it just drops off and there's just like that, like the depth just plummets. Uh, I have a photo of it right here. I'll show you right here. This is the, they call it the tongue of the ocean. It just, it gets so incredibly deep right here. And this is like in the Bermuda Triangle. Um, wow. They say it goes like from about like uh, 3,600 feet to like 6,600 feet. Uh, so it drops down 3,000 feet. Yeah. That's uh, that's a lot. So It's like a mile. The depths of this area have barely oh, been like explored. Three miles or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and not as, not as, not much is known about the sea life that's like down there. Okay. Um, except there is this Junji Ito horror shark living down there called the cookie cutter shark. The cookie cutter shark. That's this that does looks. not look like a cookie cutter shark. This looks anything but cookie cutter. This looks very unique and horrifying. Here's another photo of him. Um, Dang, look at that mouth. This yeah. shark was like fairly unknown for a while, but uh, due to it being so brash, it, it made itself known. Um, because what does that mean? It, this little fucker is about the size of a pencil. He's about like this big. As long as a pencil? It's about as long as a pencil. Okay, because that looks and pretty big in this photo. He attacks. Like, yeah, I mean, it's in someone's hand. You kind of see it's like. Yeah. Um, this, this fool attacks great white sharks, whales, seals, and even humans. Um, what? Yeah. What does it even do? It's so small. You're, you asked me why it's called a cookie cutter shark? No. It leaves a bite mark in you about no! the size of a cookie. Oh, that's horrible um johnny you can't be showing that <laughs> I, maybe i won't show that uh so i wanted to bring this up because in the 1970s uh american and russian subs would would uh shore due to damages um to their uh there's like a soft rubber section of their navigational devices and they were starting to notice like circular bite marks in it so this this cookie cutter bites we're taking down subs. Wow. So that's also in the Bermuda Triangle. And that's all I got on that. Dang, Leave dude. With that little Junjito horror. Little tiny sharks taking down nuclear subs yeah. in the Bermuda Triangle. That is a wild part of the ocean. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I, I with, don't want to go near With there. that mental image, I think we should end today's yes. episode. It's been fun. I really like talking about the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. Learning about eel sex. Learning about cookie cutter sharks. Learning about my life in high school. Learning about teenage Johnny's sex life. Talking a sex little life. bit about Atlanta and, and Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlantis <laughs> and lost civilizations. Uh, speaking of which, I would love to do an upcoming episode about lost civilizations because oh, yeah. just scratching the surface of this Atlantis stuff, mm -hmm. it was three episodes worth of content there. Mm. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed learning about the Bermuda Triangle. Me too. I'm trying to think uh -huh. of a call to uh, some prompt for everybody to leave a comment on, but I don't know because I doubt anybody has ever been to the Bermuda Triangle or had an experience <laughs> that is relatable to, to the Bermuda Triangle. I was baffled to learn, sorry to bring it back to an older episode, kids still be fucking snorting pixie sticks. I was not surprised <laughs> because some things never change. I thought now that kids have like cell phones and stuff, they wouldn't be doing that, but apparently... 
Maybe they're doing Well, you it. can't snort a cell phone. You yeah. got to snort something. Might as well be a pixie stick. <laughs> hey, uh, if you like this episode, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube yeah. and uh, turn on notifications. Leave a comment. Engage with our episode. And you know what? Post it somewhere. Share it with somebody if you think they'll enjoy it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Mega Strange Podcast. Mega Strange Podcast on Instagram. Follow me personally at Derek Acosta only. You can follow me on Instagram, catboy underscore slim. Yes. And as we have previously mentioned, we are going to be hitting the road for the Mega 64 Last Laugh National Tour. While yes. we're out there, we're going to be trying to dig up some rural urban legends, folklore, you know tales from all around the country, and trying to film a couple Mega Strange episodes to share with y'all when we get back from our journeys. In the meantime, we're going to hit you with some classic episodes from our prototype show, Mega 64 and team. Like calling it the prototype show. Yeah, we had an opportunity to interview uh, some friends of ours, and we're going to be revisiting some of those conversations because they were inspiring. Yes. They were informative. Mm -hmm. They were funny and fun. So you want to be sure not to miss those. Uh, and we will be back in two weeks with our Road Diary episode. That's going to be very exciting. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and for watching. And we will see you very soon with more episodes of Mega Strange. Keep on trucking. Keep on being strange. <laughs> <laughs>